Welcome to The War. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, uh, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Today, we're going to return to Man Behind the Gun. And uh, this one is uh, one that caught my interest because of the title. And uh, it's the USS Boise. It's a two-part series, so we're going to play part one today and part two tomorrow about a great sea uh, battle. So let's go ahead and take a listen to USS Boise part one, the gun pointer from March the 21st of 1943. Belgian National Watch Company presents The Man Behind the Gun, dedicated to the fighting forces of the United States and the United Nations, and presented in the hope that these authentic accounts of men at war will bring you a better understanding and deeper appreciation of the job being done by our fighting forces everywhere in the world. Come left to course 280 and steady up. Steadying up on 280, sir. Very well. It's nearly sunrise on the South Pacific. Ahead of you, beyond the slashing bow wave of the cruiser, is the leader of the task force. Behind, in the boiling phosphorescent wake, is another ship and still another. The officer of the deck watches the huge second hand sweep around the red-lit face of the clock on the flying bridge above you. Stand by for general quarters. Bugler, stand by to sound general quarters. Bugler, standing by, sir. Very well. Check your time. Sunrise is at 512. It is now 512 minus 20 seconds. Minus 15. Minus 10. Minus 5. Time, the priceless commodity of war. Seconds, the raw material of victory. On the flying bridge of a light cruiser, on the dashboard of a 28-ton tank, on the bombardier's panel in the plastic snout of a giant bomber, and on your own wrist, Elgin timepieces tick off the precious seconds, the minutes, the hours as America marches forward. For more than three quarters of a century, Elgin craftsmen have striven toward ever greater precision in the art of timekeeping. Today, at the request of the government, Elgin is making the devices that time modern split-second warfare. These include aviation clocks, tank clocks, compasses, tachometers, timers, and stopwatches for government and war industry uses, time fuses for anti-aircraft shells, and special wristwatches for our forces on land, sea, and in the air. Since Elgin is now fully converted to war production, few Elgin watches are still available for civilians. Foreign-made imported watches may try to fill this lack, but the shortage of high-quality American-made Elgin timepieces is certain to be felt and felt deeply until the war is won. However, if you can't buy an Elgin, think of this. Because you are doing without, Elgin craftsmen are able to create one more special instrument which may help your man behind the gun do a more efficient job at the front. Remember, time is short. Every minute counts. Every second brings us closer to victory. Tonight, the man behind the gun is a chief bosun's mate, the gun pointer on the United States cruiser Boise.
This day began like any other lazy sunny day at sea in the South Pacific. Nothing unusual about it, October 11th, 1942. Just another day, Jap hunting in the Pacific. Your job is to stop the Japs from reinforcing their men on Guadalcanal. Three times you've gone north after them. Never a contact. This is the fourth time. And brother, this is it. But you don't know that yet. Just now, you're sick of running back and forth. You know, Scotty, I've been north so many times, I feel like a commuter. Nothing to show for it but goose eggs. You and me both, Chief. I got bunions on my what's-it from sitting waiting for something to cross my sights. Yeah, ain't it the truth? The ship's in condition baker, which means battle stations for every man on watch. The Boise's ready to start shooting at the drop of a jap. You don't wander far from your post when you're in condition, Baker. Right now, you're inside the turret. It's a little stuffy here, but cooler than outside in the glaring sun. You're just sitting there, batting your gums, when a couple of the boys come in. Hiya, Pappy. Hiya, Chief. <laughs> That's Johnson. He's just had another baby. You heard about it just before you left the New Hebrides. Think we'll hook up with the Japs today, Chief? Yeah, never can tell. I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Yeah, me too. They told me when I come out that this ocean is lousy with Japs. Boy, it sure is lousy without them. I get sick of nothing to do. You'll get over that. Don't kid yourself. Them Japs know how to fight. Oh, the Admiral will now deliver a lecture on his long years of experience in fighting off the entire Jap Navy single-handed. <laughs> all right, all right. Kid around if you want. When Jap shells start falling around us like confetti, remember what I said. I got no respect for them. You know what I heard? I heard them squints live on rice and fish. I got no respect for them. They do okay on rice and fish. They do okay. Oh, yeah? Well, let them come around. Every one of them. Every fish eater in the Pacific. They'll give the fish a chance to get even. Oh, the fish will get sick. Hey, not to change the subject or anything, but what's that you got there, Johnson? Oh, that's a picture of my kid. The oldest one. Oh, yeah? I uh, kind of thought I'd paste it up in a bulkhead if nobody minds. Oh, Who minds? Let's see it. Let me have a look at that. Gee, good looking mug, ain't it? They all look alike, don't they? How would you look know? Look at the you? muscles on him, would you? Takes after his old man. Oh, he's a nice kid. He's kind of funny, though. He's got funny ideas. You, you can't figure him out all the time. No? Oh, he has funny ideas. The last time I was ashore, I took him to see the circus. He was only, uh, oh, about two years old and maybe a little more. He takes one look at the elephants and he says, Daddy, I want to go home now. <laughs> He wouldn't stay. He takes one look at the elephants and he says, Daddy, I want to go home now. <laughs> All right, I thought it was kind of cute, especially from a two-year-old. Yeah, real snapper, like Fred Allen. <laughs> <laughs> ah, don't pay any attention to those wax, Pappy. What do they know about kids? I know all I want to know. Oh, oh. <laughs> well, anyways, I thought I'd paste up his picture. Sure. The only thing is, there ain't much room left. Well, one of the girls will have to come down. Who's it going to be? Look, how about Hetty, Chief? I don't know what you see in her anyhow. No? Listen, she's the reason it's so hot in here. Nope, not Hetty. How about Rita? Oh, ah. no, no, no. Hey, wait a minute, I know. This one. She ain't fit company for a two-year-old anyhow. Hey, listen, Chief, I ain't two years old. You ain't going to take her down, are you? Not feed her. Ah, oh, what are you kicking about? That picture was taken 25 years ago. She don't look like that now. Who cares what she looks like now? Look what she looked like then. <laughs> all right, you want it, you can have it and drive yourself crazy for all I care. But Johnson's kid goes up in that spot right there. That's just to remind us we all got home somewhere. And kids, some of us, that we never seen. 
Thanks, Chief. I sure. Oh. All right, all right. Maybe we're getting too serious around here, anyhow. Hey, how about a song, Scotty? Okay, if Eddie will play for me. He'd better. How about that song you learned from your old man, Scotty? You know, the Scotch song about the lakes and the islands? I don't even know if I remember the words right. Oh, oh yeah, sure you don't. Know. Know. All right, I'll try. Yeah. Pipe down, boys. <laughs> There's a far croon. You guys are sure you want to hear this now? Hey, what do you Come on, on let's go. Okay, here I go. There's a far and is pulling me away. As take I with my chromac to the road. The far coolings are putting love on me. As step I with a sunlight for my lord. And all around them in the dim light of the gun turret are the gleaming breaches of the six-inch guns and the dials and the instruments and the wheels, the machinery of death. The United States cruiser Boise plows north through the sea toward Guadalcanal and a date with history. Braggots in my step, you've never smelt the tangle on the island. It's the blue islands are pulling me away. Their laughter puts the leap upon the land. That's the way the day goes by. Listening to Scotty singing and Eddie's harmonica. Scuttlebutt about dames and home and <laughs> dames. Just standing by in conditioned Baker, waiting. But in the afternoon, things start to pick up. You're beginning to get close to the Solomons. And at 3 o'clock, 1500 Navy time, the bullhorn pops off. Stand, Parsons. Stand by to watch aircraft. Stand by, Parsons. Stop at telephone. Well, here we go, Scotty. Looks like it. Hope the boys can scare off some business. What good does it do to be the best gunner in the Pacific fleet if you ain't got nothing to shoot at, I always say? Oh, yeah? Well, come on, Daniel Boone. Let's go watch them push the pretty airplanes into the wide blue skyway. Oh, if we go into the wide blue skyway. Hey, listen, Admiral. That's the Army Air Corps song. This is the Navy. N-A-V-Y. It's only a song. Never mind. You want to sing it? Go join the Army. If they'll take you. Uh, they take me. Don't worry about that. Listen, they'll take anybody. As long as you're warm. From the top of the director turret, you watch them swing the starboard catapult out toward the sea. There's a plane on each catapult. Stand by to start engine. Now the pilots are coming up from below, fastening their helmets and crooking their legs to make the parachute harness fit right. The deckhands nearest them give them an okay signal, and you yell, Find us something to shoot at, sir. Anything at all, Lieutenant. Start engine. Stand clear. Turn Propellers are whirling discs of light as the pilots climb aboard, settle down, and fasten their safety belts. And the planes strain and rock against the catapult rigging as the cruiser presents its stern to the wind. The man stands by the firing mechanism that shoots the planes into the air like shells from a cannon. Stand by the watch. Watch the signal from the starboard plane. All eyes are on the cockpit of the starboard plane, waiting for the launching signal from the pilot. You can see him put his head back against the cushion that keeps his neck from being broken by the fast takeoff. Then, after a second, his hand goes up. Watch the starboard. 
he's off. Dips toward the sea as he leaves the snapping catapult and then rises up and away. Now the cruiser heels over sharply and presents the port catapult to the wind. Stand by the launch port. Watch the signal. Again, you watch for the pilot to give the launching signal. You're thinking of the jolt he gets when that firecracker goes off in the catapult. In less than 30 feet, he's going 80 miles an hour. That's some pickup, brother. The pilot's hand goes up. Watch the port. <laughs> Planes dwindle toward the north, far ahead of the task force, ranging the ocean and looking for the enemy. And that's okay with you. As far as you're concerned, the sooner you find them, the better. Anyhow, you feel all right now. You have that slight tenseness you always get after the planes take off. Any minute now, they may flash the word that the enemy has been spotted. Back aft on the port side of the superstructure is the guy who passed that word. The radio man, who sits all day long with an ear cocked to the static-filled speaker, listening. Always listening. And every two minutes, typing out his report. Time, 1546. No signal. It goes on like that for him. Minute after minute, hour after hour. Waiting for word out of the Pacific sky. Time, 1548. No signal. got that message the same as we did. Have the signal bridge stand by for a blinker message from the flagship. Aye, aye. Control the signal bridge. Signal bridge, aye. Stand by for a blinker signal from flagship. Aye, aye, sir. He's working us now. Far across the water, you can see the flickering flashes of light from the signal bridge of the task force commander's vessel. Signal bridge to communications officer. Communications, aye. Message on blinker two from OTC. Stand by to execute column left, 60 degrees. Very well. Acknowledge. Aye, aye, sir. Blinker tube signal, sir. Stand by to execute. Column left, 60 degrees. Very well. Quartermaster, stand by for full left rudder, 60 degrees to course 220. Full left, 60 degrees to course 220. Standing by, sir. Signal to communications. Communications, aye. All units standing by. Blinker from flagship. Column left, 60 degrees. Stand by. Execute. Execute. Full left, 60 degrees. Execute. Aye, aye, sir. Now all the ships in the column heel over sharply and turn toward the position of the enemy, 160 miles away. You're going in at last. Here we go. Eight hours from now, those Japs will find out who's boss in the Pacific. It's getting dark now. The sun is going down into the ocean. Only a few men on the ship know that the enemy has been spotted. But everyone aboard feels an increased tension. That sharp turn and speed up means something. 
And every man jack aboard has a pretty good idea what. Think we're engaging, Chief? Yeah, looks like it, Scotty. Yeah, we'll soon know. As soon as they blow general quarters, we'll know. They set material condition affirm, we're in. And so you sit there, waiting for the sunset and general quarters. If they set condition affirm, every man at his battle station until further notice, if they set condition affirm, you're headed for action. And so you watch and wait as the sun burns red and dim on the horizon. And then suddenly, it's gone. All hands, land your battle stations on the double. Set material condition affirm. Set condition one watches. There it is. Material condition affirm. You're going in. Now the ship boils with life. Every hatch is erupting men like a volcano, and the gun turrets and directors are swarming with hard-eyed sailors. No more sitting around now. No more thinking about climbing coconut trees in the New Hebrides. No more scuttlebutt about the girls in San Diego. From now on, anything that crosses the telescopic sights of the cruiser gets hot steel poured into it. Here we go, Scotty. Good luck, kid. Same to you, Chief. Look out, Tojo. Here comes the Boise. Now the decks are clear and silent. Everywhere, men are standing quietly by the guns and the searchlights and the sonic detectors and the battle phones, waiting to check in at stations. You scrooch into the metal plow seat of the telescopic sight and slip on your flash-proof gloves and helmet over the telephone headset. And then you call control. Control. Director one testing. Control. Director one testing. Control, I. Thank you. Then from the gun turrets fore and aft, the reports start coming to you, sitting there at the firing keys of the 15 big guns. Director one from turret one. Manned and ready. Aye, aye. Turret two, manned and ready. Aye, aye. Turret three, manned and ready. Aye, aye. Turret five, manned and ready. Aye, aye. Turret four, manned and ready. Little eight, turret four, get on the beam. Aye, aye, turret four. Control. Director one, manned and ready. Very well. All stations. Emergency control left. Aye. Emergency control forward. Aye. Plotting room. Aye. Repair party. Aye. It goes on from station to station all over the ship until every gun and post and man is accounted for. All hands are at battle stations. The ship is ready for instantaneous action. It's dark now. The night is closed down around the task force like a blanket. By the silvery light of the rising moon, you can dimly make out the other ships of the column. And the boiling phosphorescent wakes are like rivers in the ocean. You're getting close to Guadalcanal, and the order goes out from control. Put shells in the hoist! Fill the hoist! Down below on the shell deck, the sweating petty officer yells to his men. The gleaming cylinders are fed to the waiting hoist, and the flash-proof door is turned as they disappear upward. Farther down in the guts of the ship, far below the waterline, the bosun of the handling room is doing his job. Break up powder and fill the hoist! And his men open up the cans of powder and feed the silken bags of high explosive to the waiting hoist. And up above, you sit there with your eye glued to the up and down line of the pointer telescope. Scotty sits beside you. He's the trainer. The line on his telescope goes from one side to the other. It's your job to see that his line and your line cross on the center of the target. When they do, you press two firing keys with your thumbs and all 15 guns of the main battery go off in salvo. And they hit where they're aimed. Shell and powder up in turret one. Aye, aye. Powder Go. and shell up in turret two. 
Aye, aye. Load. Powder and shell up in turret three. Aye, aye. Load. Powder and shell up in turret four. It's adding up now. Aye, aye. Everything is ready. Load. From now until the battle's over, the guns will be fired and loaded and pointed and trained in one smooth, continuous action. Once you press those two firing keys, the light cruiser Boise and all its crew will act as one well-running machine. A machine gun. All guns and main battery, man loaded, laid, ready, sir. Very well. Stand by. Reports are coming in now from the flagship. Enemy is reported at 20 miles south of Point Z. Range is closing rapidly. Now you tune in on the electrician circuit to the searchlight bridge where the smoke watch is stationed. The smoke watch man is up there to watch for fire the length of the ship. Actually, he acts as a running commentator on the progress of the battle so the men below decks will know what's going on. Light bridge from director. Can you see anything yet, Money? No, not yet. The enemy isn't in sight yet. But I can see Savo Island and Cape Esperance just barely. They look beautiful. Very picturesque. It's amazing how the blueness of the mountains is accentuated. Ah, nuts. That guy talks like a travelogue. I ask him if he can see any Japs, and he tells me about the scenery. Ah, uh, he reads too much. Range of the night is 20,000 yards. Wind relative from bearing 280. Speed 20. It is now exactly 2348 minus 10 seconds. Automatically, you note down the time minus and the range five. of the night. The distance you can see in the light of the moon. It's nearly 2400 hours. Midnight. And the tension is terrific. Somewhere around here is a Japanese task force. You feel like if you don't find it soon, you'll blow your top. Then suddenly the ship heels over and turns away. Hey, Chief, we're turning away. We're going back home. What? They can't do this to me. The fourth time this week. Get right up to where they live and then turn around and go home. My Godfrey in a bucket. You take off what your flash gloves and mask and throw them on the deck in a blind fury of resentment. You're cursing the day you ever went to sea. When suddenly the loudspeaker pops off. Action, stop it. The enemy's in range. You jam your eye into the lens of your telescope, waiting for the lookout to report. Enemy in range now. Two points off the starboard, and there are plenty of them. Estimated range of enemy craft, 18,000 yards. Target angle, 3-0. Speed, 2-0. They're still too far away to show in your telescope, but you've got to get ready for them. And even before the order comes through, you start swinging the guns in their direction. Control to directors. Train on two points off the starboard. Director 1. Searching two points off starboard. Scotty is frantically whirling the hand wheel that raises and lowers the 15 guns of the main battery. Johnson is working another wheel. And you know that down on the main deck, those murderous turrets are swinging swiftly on their barbettes. Fifteen big guns searching the night for a target. You sit there and peer through your telescope for the first sight of the enemy. Range 15500. Time is 2350. Ten minutes of 12. Not long to go now. Range 150. Double O. Range is closing fast. Range one four five double O. Won't be long now, Scotty. No. Fire boxes to guards. If we hit the first one, we shoot at. That's a deal. Range one four O double O. Time is twenty three hundred fifty two. Range one three five double O. Daddy, I want to go home now. <laughs> <laughs>
Train 13000. They're only elephants, Sonny. Train <laughs> 12500. Now, very dimly, you see a light gray spot on the lens. Then another. It's One, them. Five, five of them. Big ones. Oh. Chaps, you can see them now. Target sighted. Bearing 225. There they are, Scotty. Pick them up. Right, right, right. Steady, steady, steady. Left, left, left. On target. Mark, mark, mark. Trainer on target. Director one, on target. Are you on the target? I'm on five targets. Well, pick out the biggest one and stand by to commence firing. Pick up biggest target. Left a little... Left, left, left. Mark. Through your sights, you center the crosswires of the site on the largest enemy Mark. ship. Then you pick up the two firing keys. This is it. Director one, on target. Open shutters. Commence firing. Commence, commence, commence. The black of the night is cracked open in a white blaze as 15 guns let go all at once. And the searchlight bridge is illuminating the target. You just have time to see that it's a big Jap cruiser before it disappears behind mouthless spurts of water flung skyward by the bursting shells. The first salvo has found its target. Check fire. Spot one. Check, check, check. Spot one. Spot one. Up one, oh, double, oh. Right, oh, oh. Up one, oh, double, oh, I. Right, oh, oh. Right, right, right. Resume fire. Resume fire. Now the shells are hitting the enemy cruiser. You can see them swimming through the air like little bugs and then disappearing into the Jap warship with a searing red blast of flame. Over your headset, you can hear the smoke watch on the light bridge describing the sight for the men below decks. It's a beautiful ship. I can see it very plainly in the light. It's very white. Seems to have a bulge of some kind along the bow. Oh, it's a very beautiful ship. Never mind what it looks like. Are we hitting it? Come on, talk, talk. I'll give the kid a chance. We're hitting it, Pappy. We're hitting it every shot. The thumbs are still pressed down on the firing keys, and the guns are firing as fast as they can be loaded, and that's plenty fast. The shells are like tracer bullets from a machine gun, pouring into the enemy. And then suddenly the Jap ship erupts into flame from stem to stern. That's it. That's it. Burn, you buggers. Burn. We got him. He's rolling over. He's going down. for the Boise. One down and six to go. Next week, we'll tell you how the Boise got those six and nearly got hers. But now may we have 45 seconds of your time for a message from the Elgin National Watch Company. You have just heard how the Boise's gun crew worked together in battle. Back of those few moments of brilliant action are months and months of training. The gun crews of a fighting ship never cease training. Stopwatch in hand, the gunnery officer again and again times the sequence of loading, firing, reloading. No, no, no. It ain't good enough. So we do it over again. You guys were two seconds off that time. It's a precision war of split seconds, this World War II. 
and Elgin makes many of the instruments that time those split seconds for the Army, Navy, and Aviation Forces. So the Elgin watch you now own will have to last for the duration. Give it the wartime care it deserves. Wind it carefully each morning. Avoid knocks and jars. And at least once a year, have it inspected by your Elgin jeweler. Remember, time. The time on your wrist is vital to victory. Next week at this time, we invite you to be with us again when the man behind the gun continues the story of the heroic action of the United States cruiser Boise. The story we have called, 10% is not enough. Behind the Gun is written by Randall McDougall and produced under the direction of William N. Rook. Jackson Beck is the narrator, and the original score is composed and conducted by Nathan Van Cleef. The Gun is presented to you each Sunday night at this time by the Elgin National Watch Company, makers of special timing devices and precision instruments for the Army, the Air Corps, the Navy, and the Marine Corps. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. An incredible turn in the uh, episode as we move to action. And I think they really did a great job humanizing everyone who was on the ship. Really make these people feel real and their concerns and their fears. The singing and the talking about the kid. Just very well done uh, from a dramatic standpoint. Uh, also, I, I was very fascinated by the Elgin ads, and it had to be a challenge to do advertising during the war because you're adverti- paying for advertising to basically keep your name out there in the public, um, public eye. You don't have a product to sell. Uh, in the case of uh, Elgin, you don't have a product uh, to sell the people you're advertising to today, but you want them to think of you after the war is over. So that's definitely a tough expense, but a lot of companies uh, followed that. And as you listen to the uh, war, you'll hear others that were in similar situations. Well, this story will be continued tomorrow. That'll do it for now. If you have a story about your experiences or that of a loved one in World War II, I'd love to hear from you. I welcome all your comments at box13 at greatdetectives.net. King Curlin provides the opening theme, Heroic, KenCurlin.com. Andrew Rines edits our sound, otrwesterns.com. I'm your host, Adam Graham. 
The war is offered as a service of the great detectives of old-time radio. 